Hello and welcome. This is the Filmmakers Podcast. Yes, that's right. It's a podcast where we talk about filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to make them, how to get them made and how to try not to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. Today, I am delighted to tell you we have the one and only Neil Marshall joining us in the podcast booth. It's unfucking believable really, to be honest. Uh, he's amazing, and what a guy. He's made many indie films and big features, and many TV episodes, including Game of Thrones, which he was Emmy-nominated for. He'll be talking all about that, and then how he went from indie film horror darling to big studio TV and films, and how you can too. But because there was so much great stuff, we recorded so much, we recorded for maybe an hour and 40 minutes, there was no way I wanted to cut that down for you, because why would I? He's got so much information about how he made his films, how he works with the actors, how he got to the next level. If I was to cut some of that down, it would just be, it would just be mean and unfair that only myself and CJ got to hear that. So I wanted you to hear it. So this is a two-parter. Basically, that's what I'm trying to say. It's a two-parter. Um, but it's worth it because it's amazing. So apologies for jumping in at the end of this part one. But that's just the way it is. Part two will be out on Friday, though. So get your ears ready for part two where we talk in depth about Game of Thrones. It's a big week this week. Oh, yeah. Um, But before we get to any of that, I've got some exciting news. Not only is it a month away until myself and Dan Richardson launch our Kickstarter for our Food for Thought documentary, but myself and Don Lenoir, Don Lenoir, director of Winter Ridge, have teamed up to present a live event for you. Uh, It's probably going to be some live events. We're not going to just stop at one. We're going to do a few. That's right. This event is going to be called Make Your Film, where we will be on a panel with some brilliant director, producer and screenwriters who have successfully made their own features at high level and independently. We're talking about approaches to get through the usual challenges and issues of making your first feature film. And that is going to be at the Zero One venue on Tuesday, the 29th of January. Um, And that's Hopkins Street in Soho in London. Myself and Dom Lenoir. Very exciting. Hashtag make your film, which is what I bang on about all the time anyway. You can do it and you can get out there and do it. It's 7pm arrival. We're going to be talking till around 10.30 on the panel in front of you lot, an audience. So come on down. It's only £7. Yep. Seven quid. There are about 70 spaces available, so get in there quick. The event bright link should be available from midday today. So if you listen to this before midday, then come back and click the link then. But I'm sure we'll be sharing it on our social medias as well. So if you want to go, find us. If not, come back, click the link and be quick because they're going to go. They'll go like hotcakes, Don Wise events always do. So hopefully we'll see you there. Also, I'm hosting a very special course, which is called 10 Steps to Make Your Short Film, over at the Easygoing Retreat in Portugal. That's right, in Venda Nova in Portugal. It's five days. That's Saturday, April the 27th through to Friday, the 3rd of May. And it's run by producer Sean Langton. Basically, you get six nights accommodation, full board. Um, So go to Eventbrite and search short film course from script to screen. Uh, with Giles Alderson, that's me, that's right. Or click the link in the show notes. Um, and as you listen to this podcast, you get a discount. Of course you do. Well, the first 
10 people do, you get 99 euros off. Um, so you want that? Also, get in there quick. You can use the code PODCAST2019. Um, I think courses like this are ridiculously valuable as getting your short film right, made in the right way, is so important for your filmmaking career. Also, the places are very limited, so you can get time and energy focused on you. Cool. That's some exciting news. Some exciting news indeed. So, if you're a regular listener... Thank you for joining us again. Thank you. If you've just joined us for the first time, welcome. Where have you been, though? Where have you been? <laughs> you should know, then, what this podcast is all about. It's about making films. It's about how directors, producers and screenwriters do it, about their journey into filmmaking. And it's about their journey into indie filmmaking and making films. But we've had some amazing guests on over the last year and a half that we've been doing this. Um, this episode with Neil Marshall is episode 89, with episode 90 on Friday, like I mentioned, which means we are very close to our special 100th episode. So if you've not listened to our episode with Gravity and Transformers editor Mark Sanger telling us how he did that. Or Mark Strong, the actor Mark Strong, telling us about working with big directors. Or Ian Sharp, the brilliant producer, telling us about how he produces films. Or Scott Adkins and Joey Anser on how they make action films. Or Jack Tarling on how he made the BAFTA-nominated God's Own Country. Then you need to get listening to them. Go to our back catalogue and get listening. Hey, you're going to learn a lot about making films. Um, but thank you, basically. Thank you for joining us and thank you for helping us to make this podcast continue by listening and passing this on and retweeting us, etc. Go to at Filmmakers Pod and retweet us and ask us questions. Why not get to it? This is a filmmaking platform where we recommend that and we like it and we appreciate it. Um, who am I, you ask? Did you? I don't think you did, but I'm going to tell you. I'm Giles Alderson. I'm the director of The Dare feature film, which is in post now. Director of World of Darkness documentary, which is out now. And I'm the producer of A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, which we've just had our screenings for, which is very exciting. And Cassette, which we're doing um, little pickups for at the moment, which is a found footage horror movie. I've also made lots of shorts and promos and ads over the time I've been doing this. Right, um, let's get to today's podcast. First of all, massive shout out to Craig Conway for setting this up. You're a star. You can listen to him talk about producing and talking very openly about um, the state of the industry right now, the state of the business. That's on episode 80. Thank you, Craig. Um, right, let's get to myself, CJ and Neil Marshall at Raindance HQ for this week's Filmmakers Podcast. Don't say we don't give you presents. Enjoy. We are at Raindance. Thank you very much, Raindance, for letting us use your Biffa room. Shout out to them. Joining me is Christian James, director of Freak Out Stalled Goblin and Fanged Up. Hello, mate. How are you? And Nightfeed. Hi, buddy. And yeah. Nightfeed. <laughs> you left out the one I'm most proud of. I, I'm so sorry. Right, that's changing. Um, um, uh, good, buddy. Yeah, good. All good. Yeah? yeah. What good. Been- oh, what have we been doing? Okay, uh... I, well, right now, yes. a bit sweaty, running for a train. My train was heavily delayed. Yeah. Um, and uh, so right now I'm sat between Giles and Neil and I'm sweating. And, is this the uh, first time you've been in this room, though? It's yeah, very, it's, it's very close. Is it it's a very room? Close. Yeah, it's, it's humid now I've got in here. It's, um, it's a broom cupboard. There's a lot of Mac makeup bags behind Giles' head here. There's also the Biffers behind Biffers it. Biffers Awards. Biffers. Yeah, so we're going to have right, a few of those. This is a small room, isn't it? I mean, it's like mm. there's pens and pencils and cleaning utensils. It's white and a bit... You wouldn't want to... Be 
putting the biffers out from here. Yeah, I'm referencing a 1980s advert there. (laughs) Uh, Show my age. Uh, But no, I've been away. I was in Barcelona doing a uh, thing with footballers. A thing with footballers? Barcelonian footballers. Barcelonian footballers. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Green screen and all that stuff. Green screen, some big names, I imagine. Uh, there was a, a messy chap and a... Uh, a dirty chap. Yeah, there was a, there was a few. There was a, that, yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good, a, good, good. Fun times. But now I'm back here with you. Yes, which is more important. Exactly. Which is super, super exciting. Um, remember, subscribe a bit. Excuse me. Remember, subscribe to us uh, on iTunes. Charles Neil is watching. I know. Highly yeah, unprofessional highly right ridiculous now. <laughs> not being able to speak. And we're like, what are you, are you? I'm late. You can't speak. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, what the hell is What's going wrong, wrong with you? Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or Podbean. Get us rocking up the charts. Do support us. Head to filmmakerspodcast.com or go to Popfix where you can find other podcasts about films and the love of them as well as some genuinely funny ones too. Podfixnetwork.com. Details in the show notes. Okay, let's get to it. The big exciting moment here today. We have joining us today, Director Neil Marshall. Hello, Neil. How are you? Hello there. <laughs> I'm good. I'm very good. Yes. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Take Feel- a breath. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. Good. So, Neil is a British director, best known for films of Descent, Dog Soldiers, Doomsday and Centurion. Yes, correct. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> so, so good. He's, also, he's also directed Game of Thrones, uh, debuting in the second season of the series. Yeah. He directed the pivotal episode Blackwater. Um, and uh, you also did season four as well, yep. right? Um, yep. Which yeah, was the big, the, the big finale. The big finale, The Watchers on the Wall, uh-huh. um, which is really exciting. He's also recently directed the reboot of Hellboy, starring David Harbour, Mila Jovovich, and Ian McShane. He won the British Independent Film Award for Best Director of a British independent film for The Descent. The horror film also won a Saturn Award for Best Horror Film, and he was nominated for a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Director for a Drama Series for his work on Game of Thrones episode The Watchers on the Wall. He's also directed TV episodes of Black Sails, Constantine, Hannibal, Tales of Halloween, Timeless, Lost in Space, where he was also exec producer, and Westworld. Gives us both a huge... Huge shout out and a massive welcome. Neil Marshall, welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. Woo! Okay, this podcast is all about helping people, filmmakers, get off their asses and make feature films. Keep making feature films. It's the hard part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's jump back from the very beginning, your humble beginnings. Why, okay. why did you want to pick up a camera? How did that start for you? Oh, way back. Way yeah, we're back. Going right back. Way um, back. Tell us about your childhood, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lean, lean back. Yeah. Well, speaking of your childhood. Well, no, that, you know, that's, that is where it all began. I know. First, I fell in love with films. And I did that mainly through uh, my parents were big movie watchers. So, mm. like, watching stuff on TV all the time. Um, and I fell in love with going to the cinema. It was actually, it was my sister's birthday treat to go and see Star Wars. And I was seven years old, and um, and I fell in love with going to the cinema that day, you know, because it was it was the late seventies, so I was like be able to go and see Star Wars, and then A Bridge Too Far, and then Spy Who Loved Me, and you know, there's great movies coming out, and just Amazing. totally like fell in love with James Bond and Star Wars and science fiction and all these kind of things. And my dad would regularly take me to this great old cinema that's not there anymore called the Royalty in Gosforth. And they were always like playing reruns of stuff like that. And I saw Battle Beyond the Stars in 2001 for the first time there and sat through it like bored, senseless, and not mm-hmm. really understanding what it was until I had nightmares about it. And, I, you know, and then suddenly <laughs> start thinking, oh my God, what was that thing that got into my head? Mm. And, and, just, and just relentlessly going to see movies all the time. And then um, when I was 11, I uh, went to see Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time. 
at the Odeon in Newcastle. Yeah. And um, and that changed my life because I, I not only saw it as a movie, but I also saw the making of Raiders on TV and knew instantly was like, I have to make movies. This yes. is what I have to do. Yeah. Um, and I want to direct movies, although I don't really know what directing movies means properly so that you know then from there the, the the love of not only movies themselves but how they were made and the fascination of how they were made started to creep into my life massively um my best mate and i got hold of you know he was the same and he's now he's you know a, a very successful writer mm. uh michael johnson who wrote sherlock holmes and and pompeii and stuff like that and nice. and um so we got hold of his mum's super eight cine camera mm -hmm. and you know did the kind of it's it's kind of the classic geek story now it's like everybody's you know it's mm, yeah yeah jj sort of made it totally know, spielberg like yeah yeah we did that thing we went we went out into the woods and started making little kind of indiana jones ripoffs and and you know just trying to make movies really yeah. and, and and learning the process through super eight was great because you know you go out you shoot it it was silent so you have to figure out ways around that um, and then getting it back from the, 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 the lab and learning how to edit basically from scratch and then learning how to, you know, cause I was really interested in special effects as well. So I was like, how can we put effects on this? So mm. building my own little beam splitters and, and then we'd, we'd get like a magnifying glass and scratch onto the film directly, wow. like animate frame by frame, sort of like laser blasts wow. or lightning or stuff like that, like using a microscope and a needle. That's um, just r ridiculous stuff like that. Yeah. Um, learning the process and making a lot of mistakes along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, your granddad, didn't he design the star in the Newcastle Brown Ale? He did. He designed well, that. Well, I, I guess I come from an, an artistic And your mum as well, legacy. graphic designer, right? Is that correct? Um, but my dad's side, it was his dad, my granddad. Designed the Blue Star logo, yes, and the little fa uh, the little baby and the the nappy thing on the ferry oh, yeah, yeah. thing. Oh wow! Yeah, that was his design as well. Um, uh, oh no, on my mom's side, it's the tattoo side of things. Okay, my my uh, my mom's granddad, I think it is, uh, was is like this world famous tattooist. Tattooist. He pioneered uh, going around the world and finding like tribal stuff and putting tribal stuff on tattoos. Wow. Um, yeah. Any yourself? Tattoos. Uh, yeah, I've got, uh, I've got oh, my so tattoos. You, you've yeah. got, oh, you've got, yeah, yeah. Um, hidden. Yeah. Uh, not not, not it, entirely, that, well, obviously, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. little, little um, glimpse, yeah. But there's four of them. One is Centurion, Doomsday, uh, Descent, nice. and Dog Soldiers, and like, a logo, because it's my baby. So I love like, it, because yeah. I, I want to do it for the dare as well, but I've been a little bit frightened, but now I've seen that. I need to. I need to. Yeah. And I need to do and it. I'll continue. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Just be all that. Are you going down the arm or up the arm? Uh, I'm going down the arm. So I might go down the other arm next. I don't know. Yeah. We'll yeah. Working yeah. progress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you done it for every film or just your babies? Just my babies. Yeah. yeah. Just my babies. <clears throat> the ones you. Yeah, yeah. The ones you really. Yeah. If you start doing TV series, it's going to get. Yeah. Crazy. It's going to get. I've got lots in space. Ridiculous, but it's also like episodes. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, they're not mine. They're somebody else's. Baby yeah, exactly. That I felt yeah, facilitate. Exactly. But this, these are these are my babies. So you know, the next one will be the reckoning when when we shoot that in February. Perfect. I'll get one for that. I'll figure out what the logo is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can design it around a tattoo. Oh, yeah, maybe right, that's the way to do it. Does any part yeah. of you, when you're looking at the poster, go, oh, "That's going to look shit on my arm. I'm going to have to, you know, <laughs> I'm going to have to yeah. redesign it so because you know what the tat's going to look like yeah, later, yeah. later down the line." Kind of. I mean, it was like with the dog soldiers one. It was this look, um, 
it was like a, a cap badge insignia, like a military thing. It's like a wolf's head with a dagger through it. Yeah. yeah. Like the sort of SAS kind of thing. Yeah, nice. Which I designed for the movie, and they wore it on their uniforms in the movie. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything beyond that, but it was the Dog Soldier's logo, so... Instantly like makes it. And then good, the rest yeah. were pretty straightforward. So yeah. Anyway, it is what it is. It is what uh, it is. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> yeah. great. So, yeah, yeah so... To, to rewind, obviously, like a, there's sort of an artistic bent in the family. Mm. Antonio Ridley Scott from that area. Who else is there? Um, lots of other people. <laughs> Some other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so it must have been inspiring to see all that anyway and sort of think, well, if they can do it coming from a very similar place, you can too, right? Yeah, no, my dad was in advertising and he was like, don't go into advertising, whatever you do. And I was like, okay, Whoops. I'm going to be a filmmaker instead. He's like, oh, it's the same thing. <laughs> so, um, my parents were very, very supportive of the, the lunacy of running around woods with cameras and yeah. guns and, you know, trying to make stupid movies and things like that. But it was great. It was an amazing learning experience. And that led me to um, start writing as well. I mm. remember um, R.I.P. the great. William Goldman, mm-hmm. um, who whose book Adventures in the Screen Trade was it's like one of the first book. books about mm-hmm. writing movies that I ever read, and that really inspired me to try writing. And so Mike and I started writing scripts together. Yeah. Um, it's all kind of you know junk now, but it was you have to do it to fail at it to learn and mm-hmm. you know yeah. process from there. So yeah, so that that led me to art college. It was always the intention of how do I get to film school. It also it seemed so distant sure. um but i went to art college uh and then then got into the film school up at newcastle the media production course at newcastle what was newcastle polytechnic is now university of northumbria i think it is but um mm, nice so got into that the only the only place that had left was on the animation course and i was like oh okay so i, I, I did that and i got on, just to get through the door yeah did animation for a year and then binned that and started working on crews and then doing live action stuff and um, and eventually I graduated we were doing a, a, a zombie horror comedy your short film right is this your yeah, yeah. Brain Death Brain Death yeah yeah it's like yeah. a 20 minute zombie movie with explosions and what stuff. what have been your and... sort of influences at that, at that time what inspired you to get up and make that because that's quite an, an achievement in of itself at that age um, well I'd, I'd heavily got into horror at that point yeah um, and which has always been it's been a constant in your career it's it? always been around yeah, yeah. yeah I mean I, I was I first I first started getting into horror when my dad like showed me Frankenstein and mm you know, Bride Frankenstein on the TV and mm. was like, oh, wow, this is this is really cool. And then throughout the whole Video Nasty, you know, period when everybody was getting their hands on videos and, mm. and then I started to watch the American Werewolves and the Shinings yeah. and the Texas Chainsaw Massacres and all that stuff when I was in my early teens. So definitely, like, horror was a huge thing then. And, you know, clearly American Werewolf and the Howling kind of planted very deep seeds that would come into play later on. Yeah. Um, the zombie thing, I think, you know, I, I was really into Pete Jackson at the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, brain death, uh, brain dead and, um, uh, bad taste yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, what, meet the Feebles recent, probably. Recent discoveries yeah, that, around that time. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I can't remember what, what, what else was really going on in the horror world at that point, but it was like nobody had done any zombie films for age, for years at that yeah. point. Yeah, well, they weren't popular at all. So, it's crazy to um, think we thought, oh, let's, let's tap in. It was something that we, you know, we all loved from, you know, the 80s, all the, the Days of the Deads and the Dawns mm. of the Deads and all that stuff, and Return of the Living Dead as well. Um, these great films that inspired me and, and my friends on the course who were into, like, makeup effects and stuff like that. And so we all loved the same stuff, so we said, let's just do a zombie film, you know. So w- yeah. this would have been roughly what year would you have been trying to... 
Uh, this was in 1991, 92. So it'd have been pneumatic. Were you on tape or were you on film or what were you well, making? Well, you had the option at the course. You could shoot on film and edit yeah. on film, but everybody wanted to do that. And um, you had to pay for your own stock and stuff oh. like that. And um, I didn't have any it's money expensive, at the time. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so um, nobody was using this. They had this really crappy uh, pneumatic camera and deck and stuff like that. And I was like, well, nobody's using that. Yeah. Um, so I'll just use that and just put, shoot it on, shoot on digital. I was, I was leading the way. She was <laughs> <laughs> shooting it on tape. Um, and then, cause it, again, it was like, everybody was fighting over this. There was different edit rooms and there was the three machine edit room, which allowed you to do dissolves. That's all of the advantage Whoa, it was. You could, you could do dissolves. Was it the whole set in set out point and they'd always shift a few frames to like, you had to guess the oh God, editing the, on tape. I yeah. mean, gosh, you, it's that. just, you can't imagine how awful it is. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. doing different generations of, yeah. of tape to get an offline edit and so yeah. all that mm. crap. And yeah, everybody was, so everybody was piling up on the, the waiting list to get into the three machine edit. And nobody was just using the room next door, which had two machines, which meant, you know, you could still cut it, but no dissolves right? You know, on tape. So I was like, great, I'll just no, yeah. not do dissolves. Yeah. No, no, dream, <laughs> no dream sequences. No swipes. No, 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 You're no golden, yeah. No, no, no passage of time. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, so... Uh, so yeah, I just I just did it on the kind of on the cheap and, and, you know, we had a lot of fun doing it because they... The, the the tutors on the course were really against the idea of, of us making this you know lunatic zombie movie. That makes no sense. And, why they um, want oh no, because everybody it. else was doing very very arty, you very, know, very serious, serious, serious stuff. Okay, and we want to do this daft thing, and they were like, Ooh. so we ended up we had to like I handed in like a fake script to get approval, and they were like, okay, you can do this. One. Fine, great, it. thanks. Yeah. And went away and make something totally different, <laughs> and we we managed to um, not bribe, but pleasantly convinced the 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 the, the night uh, the janitor guy to let us in at night into the building yeah and we would go in there at night and film it in the building all night and then Amazing. get out in the morning and you know work you know clear up all the blood off the floor <laughs> uh and go in and, and we shot this kind of gorilla style you know in in the building in our, in our own department building because it was the only one we had access to uh to pretend to be this this secret base that was full of zombies did you know at that point how you wanted your shots to be set out? Did you know that you needed wides? Did you move the camera in a certain way? I don't think I was able to move the camera at all. We didn't have any dollies or anything like that. I think, I, and um, so I think the whole thing is just done with like locked off cameras or, George you know, we, we could, we could <laughs> pan and tilt, yeah. but that's about it. Right. And a okay. zoom. I think I got some zooms some in. Nice yeah. zooms, yeah. Uh, Pressing the buttons. But there. we didn't have any ability to move the camera around beyond handheld. And I hadn't really sort of got into the whole, I can't even remember if that camera was able, you know, handheld with that camera. Well, it was handheld huge. On, on video didn't, doesn't really look, you know, without that sort of shallow depth of field handheld. Yeah, and this is awful. like really yeah. shitty quality. Shitty quality yeah. camera. Mm. And I also made the mistake without really understanding it of like, I filmed a lot of it in red light. Because ah, it's like you know, the emergency yeah, lighting. Yeah, it looks cool. And right. of course, red light on that yeah. on video just bleeds horribly. Right. Um, so, you know, on the whole, it looks fairly shit. <laughs> Is it still on your showreel? <laughs> uh, when you're gunning for a well, job really, in town. When, when we released um, Tales of Halloween yeah. uh, in the States, they asked if we had any film, films we put on it. So it it is on that blu-ray or is dvd really? or whatever it is uh a, a version of it with a commentary on or something like that That's so it brilliant. does exist on oh, that right. but i'm sure it looks terrible 
Uh, <laughs> You've not seen it for a while anyway. No. No. But it's good you kept a copy. That's quite nice, isn't I it? Still got it, I've still got, still got it around somewhere. And what did your teacher say when you then handed this in? Said he, I think go. a lot of them were just tutting and, and shaking their heads. But there was one guy, a, a wonderful uh, tutor called John Adams, who was super supportive of it and was like, yeah, you know, this is this is what our students should be doing, or at least, a, you know, a variety, mm-hmm. you know, adding variety into it. Right. And um, I kind of took a little dig at them at the end where we had our final screening at the Tyneside Cinema in Newcastle nice. and uh, all the students would get, you know, we gather for a night. It's like a premiere night. It's a lot of fun. Mm. And we all show our films and, uh, and in the middle of it all, I can't remember what it was, then, you know, brain death comes up and it's all loud and boom, boom, blood boom and, and blood and guts yeah, everywhere. Yeah. And at the, at the end, at the end credits, I did a little teaser trailer for Brain Death Two. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just kind of like eh. yeah. just, just have a dig at the Tudors for that one. Excellent. Uh, it's like a little Marvel thing of you know. Yeah, the yeah. End of the you did credits. it before it was supposed to. Yeah, yeah. Again, ahead of that curve. Oh, digital. Totally. Do yeah. you know yeah. post credit stuff? Very nice. Very so nice. yeah, but that was you know it was an incredible learning experience, um, and because I. I did everything on it. I did the visual effects. I did the editing. I did, uh, I did so much. You know, produced it, wrote it, directed mm-hmm. it. I think I'm even in it at one point. And um, of course, you would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there were some local filmmakers at that screening, and they approached me afterwards and said, "You know, are you interested in doing any editing work?" So I was like, "Well, wow. great." Yeah. So I, but then, then I basically became an editor for the next, you know, eight to ten years. Um, working wow. kind of freelance in, mm-hmm. in Newcastle. But what a great discipline to get other directors' rushes and then learn what works and doesn't work. I, th- I think, yeah, better than any film school. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, mm-hmm. film, the, making that movie at film school was great, but on the whole, I didn't really learn a great deal when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but editing for the next eight years was the best education any director could ever hope for. Yeah. I think it's just, just seeing... And I wasn't just doing drama stuff. I was doing everything. I was doing, you know, commercials and news items and documentaries and just anything that came along. Yeah. But it was still learning that process. And especially when you do do dramas yeah. and working with other directors and such like and seeing how it's all cuts together. Um, very, very kind of enlightening and, and worthwhile. I agree. I think every director should learn to edit. I think you, you mm, see your yeah. shots better. You see what you you missed by editing you can when you're directing you can see it on set you go mm. i need to get from there to there how do well, i do just, it yeah learning how to structure a scene mm. learning what you don't need as much as what you do need yes yeah. Yeah. yeah especially when you're working against time constraints or something and if you've got a good idea of how a scene's going to cut together in your head while you're filming it then that's that's a pretty good starting place I and mean, yes. you mm. can at least experiment from there but you've always got that to fall back on absolutely so you'd so. see lots of directors you know i suppose do extravagant steady cam shots or something and and be cutting those out and realise where you did and didn't need that kind of excessive... Because yeah. uh, yeah, whenever absolutely. I see you, you seem to... Do you shoot quite lean? You like Yeah. You sort of seem to... Your films feel like they've been pre-planned in the in the right way, if you know what I mean. It feels like there's a concise vision going um, in. Please say yes, because it looks like my uh, research is terrible. No, no, you're right. <laughs> I do, I do. I'm, always, I'm always like thinking how it's going to cut together yeah. and sometimes, you know, because inevitably you're against a deadline. So like, yeah. I, I do tend to uh, shoot quite lean, Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Have a have a pretty strong sense of where I want to go with it. Did Dog Soldiers moving on to Dog Soldiers? Did that then? Because that would have been the next thing, pretty much. Well, didn't you uh, co you co wrote and edited Killing Time, oh, right? Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. 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 I think yeah. from that kind of came Dog Soldiers. Is yes. that right? Well, sort of, yeah. Because um, uh, 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 so yeah, it was nineteen ninety five, I think it was, and everybody everybody in the the region that was kind of wanting to get into film it all pulled together into this production of Killing Time. Right. And I co-wrote it and edited it and was like the action coordinator on it. And wow. it did, and, you know, and, and one day I directed it because the director passed out because of exhaustion. Wow. 
because um, it's hard we, to make feature films. It's hard. It's it, yeah. We, we were like everybody was working for nothing. Mm-hmm. We were doing very very long hours. I think the longest day we did was twenty five hours God. filming straight. Well, that that goes into the next day, right? <laughs> yeah. that's, but, that's, you know, without yeah. without, a, without a filming straight for for literally twenty five hours wow. was just unbelievable. That's, so people. I'm it's a non union shoot. Union? What's that? Union? No, it was it was it was rough, but everybody was volunteered for it and was yeah. up for it and you know and it was but it was a great experience um you know it was kind of everything that went wrong anything that could have gone wrong went wrong yeah um i mean thankfully nobody died but yeah. thankfully you know, there, there was like some people got mugged wow. like stuff like that when they were going out for pizzas in the early hours or whatever yeah. this poor little runner got mugged oh, um, for his pizzas for that's his harsh pizzas, yeah um, we had our armory truck up broken into and the police coming out. We got driven off a set by local kids who started to kind of riot and start throwing oh, stones yeah. at us, stuff like that. We had to evacuate. Kind of stuff you can't set. really plan or allow for. Exactly. But amazing experiences, mm. for sure. Mm. Um, so we, we did that. And then uh, myself and Keith Bell, who was the uh, um, production manager on it, mm. I was sitting down watching sitting on set one day watching the chaos ensue and just saying, um, we, you know, I think we can do this better and I think we can do this where like people get paid. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're like, okay, let's, so uh, let's, let's make that happen somehow. And at some point around that, around then I was like, I came up with the idea of soldiers versus werewolves. Yeah. I was like, okay, soldiers versus werewolves. Okay. That's, that's ambitious, but mm. it's a cool idea. And at the time as well in the industry, in the UK industry at the time, genre stuff wasn't like now it's quite common to have a british you know yeah. horror no i mean the, nothing was, was being done merchant like, ivory or uh, you yeah. know your four weddings nothing, nothing in that genre was being done at that time i mean the, you know the last significant horror film in the uk was like hellraiser yeah i can remember yeah. being weird i remember seeing dog soldier posters and thinking oh it's a british horror movie. you know i remember yeah. at the time it being a kind of a strange and that, and that, thing and, that, you and know, that was the you know from the moment i wrote it and we started taking it out to people, that was the response we got was, it's like, we don't do that. You know, it's not yeah. our cup of tea. British film industry doesn't do this kind of thing. We've got Oscars to win and Rich and Ivory stuff to do and, you know, and social realism and all that kind of stuff to do. And yeah. we're like, yeah, but there's room for werewolves too, surely. Surely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. surely. Um, and they would say, you know, the response was, it's way too ambitious. Yeah. Um, you know, go to go to America with it or something like that. It was, and it, was, it was that kind of negative and that kind of, you know, arsey about it yeah but then we actually got the producer of hellraiser on board wow. and we got a sales agent on board and um we started doing like designs for the werewolves and things like that and then it got taken to afm mm. where this um millionaire guy from arkansas called dave allen who wanted to get into film investment who wanted to get into filmmaking was always wanting to make a werewolf movie apparently i'd seen saw our designs read the script and was like okay i'll i'll finance the movie basically oh my and he was a, a arkansas spinach magnate <laughs> his family had made their fortune in canned spinach i do love spinach oh, myself so. um and uh <laughs> and and he wanted to finance the film and um, right. so a combination of him and the, the luxembourg film fund because mm-hmm. we ended up shooting it there but this is a long period of time this is from the from from first draft to making it was six years wow of a lot of toil and going from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting mm. a lot of meeting a lot of people full starts is there any kind of is yeah, it yeah, look we promising went, fell apart that kind of stuff yeah yeah we went to the Isle of Man scouted locations on the Isle of Man mm-hmm. it was yeah. going to happen there then that fell through we were looking in Canada for a while then that fell through and then finally like Luxembourg kind of came out of the blue that's so kind of random that Luxembourg mm. was it was there any reason why they suddenly went yeah let's make this British uh, 
Why will film you don't know? I don't know. It's at the time there was a film fund there. At the time there was quite a few films being made there. Okay. And they had a couple of good studios there. So, you know, we we tapped into that. And, um, and was there ever a point where people were questioning you or as a sort of first time director in their eyes? Was that ever a problem? Um if it did, I don't recall it. I do, I do, like in, in 99, I did, uh, I went out and shot a, a short film, mm. uh, I think called Combat, mm. that we shot over in Carlisle, because I was living there at the time. And that was done, and Craig's in it, and Sam, a DP, shot it. McCurdy, and, Sam uh, McCurdy. There was a lot of, yeah. a lot of, a, a lot of people that would end up going on to Dog Soldiers were involved with it. Mm. Um, and that was kind of like a trial run, and it, if anybody ever needed, had any doubts about me as being able to, put a story together Fine. I was like okay here's have a look at that it's like yeah. you know it's 10 minutes it's um it has no dialogue but you'll get you'll get it yeah how are you surviving all this time so you're a freelance editor you're now stepping into the directing role I know you've sort of it's not alien to you, you've done it before mm -hmm. but how are you also surviving in that time as well how, how are you making a living now you've shifted over to the you know well, purely through the editing. I mean, I was, really, you know, carried that on. Kept, yeah, kept I mean, I was able, while I was writing, I was edit, I was, yeah. you know, I, 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 and I stayed editing, you know, for as long as I could. Yeah, because that was paying the rent. Even after Dog Soldiers, yeah, would you go back no, to that? I mean, once, sort of... once Dog Soldiers were done, I didn't, I didn't go back because yeah. I edited Dog Soldiers, but I didn't really go back into editing after that. Yeah, um, I was kind of too focused on, you know, trying to get the next one made. Yeah, so um, and I was starting to get you know, finally get paid for writing. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which which made a big difference. So yeah, so I mean we we finally got Dog Soldiers made, went off to Luxembourg, did that. Um how was the shooting of it and can you remember much about Muddy, rainy, cold. Yeah. yeah. Uh but amazing. Yeah. Um So you enjoyed it and even so obviously uh, with hindsight you enjoyed it, but at the time can you remember having a blast while you were making it as well? Yeah. It was that's great. Well we you know we put together such a great team. Uh, mm. behind the camera and in front of the camera mm. amazing cast that we got to work with and like I say you know nobody was doing that kind of thing not certainly yeah. not British and you know, a lot of the cast were like wow we get, we're going to get to go to Luxembourg shoot guns fight mm -hmm. werewolves yeah. they yeah. were like Blood well up for it fun. yeah it's, um, cast includes Kevin McKidd Sean Pertwee and Craig Conway as we say and Liam, Liam Cunningham yeah great cast anyway amazing I mean, cast. all up and coming all at the time you know it's still exciting right yeah did you have to audition any of them or was it literally do yeah, we we auditioned a few people. I don't remember. We auditioned Simon Pegg for it as well because I was oh, like, really? "Oh, he's gonna he's he's going somewhere. Let's yeah. get him." And uh, <laughs> and bless him, he was like, um, "I would love to do it, but I I promised Edgar I'd be in his first movie." Ha, so, well, you know, Simon. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. <laughs> so, so he couldn't like, take. Was he sort of like he, they were the the, the pact was they were going to pop their movie cherry together, as it were? Was that the that he was sort of saying, "I can't do this movie because I said, you know." I, I think that was the promise that was made, yeah. and it was, it was, sure it was, it was very... To be, to be clear, not pop each other's cherry. We're not <laughs> yeah. saying... We don't know, but it was, it was very, very, very honourable of them to do that. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very. Was, yeah. For him to turn down a role, you know, in your yeah. movies, yeah. But it worked out well for us. Mm. Um, we got Darren Morfitt to play Spoon, yeah. Yeah. and he absolutely nailed it. Absolutely. And you kind of, in retrospect, you kind of think, oh, it actually worked out spot on. It did, mm. yeah. Um, and it worked out well for Simon too. I really did. <laughs> He's, doing He's doing all right. He's doing all right. Paying the bills. Yeah. Yeah. I might yeah. have ruined his career. If I <laughs> <laughs> anyway. uh, so, so it was a great experience. It was. It was tough for sure. It was mm. muddy and rainy and miserable. How long was the shoot? Was amazing. Can you remember how many? I don't. I think it was about five weeks. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, and shot on film. Shot on six uh, Super Sixteen. Wow. Just to try and because we spent so much money trying to 
create the werewolves because yeah. I wanted to do that all in camera. And they looked amazing, mm. by the um, way. Even now, they still did an amazing up. job. Oh, amazing job. And very how you can sort of feel the howlingness. That's why I loved yeah. that when I felt mm. I was like, oh, that's a Joe Dante style aura, yeah. Rob Bacon. I was always of the opinion that a werewolf should be on two legs, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so, so we'd had no money left to afford 35 mil, so we shot on a Super 16. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it was better than pneumatic. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're pleased with that now, looking back over time, you're happy with how things went? It, it has a wonderfully kind of grainy vibe to it mm. it's certainly uh, yeah i like its rawness yeah um that you get from that um yeah i mean there's some st- stuff now is that we had to shoot some stuff day for night and that doesn't look so good but you know whatever yeah. everything that all the production design um and the action stuff has you know worked out really really well mm. i was really really happy with that have you watched it recently does it hold up or have you, have you do you go back yeah to well, i can't remember when i watched it mm, i did watch it recently for some reason um, oh, because they're doing a 4K rest, uh, version of it in the oh, States, and I okay, had to watch right. the grade. So, um, yeah. yeah, I watched it then. How did it hold up for you watching it? You know, could you they say you sort of forget the the things no, you I didn't mean, get I, in? There's the stuff now, like I look up on it and think, oh, maybe I, I, I overcut it a little bit. Yeah. I got a little bit excited in the edit and mm-hmm. maybe made it a little bit too choppy in places, but oh, really? I think that's yeah. just oh, I experience yeah. more than anything. Again, at the, the time, it stands up. Pretty refreshing. You know, going yeah. back on, my, on the initial experience of seeing, I think the fact that it was. You know, yeah, it it it. I, I really had... love all the character and stuff and the the humor in it, and, mm. and yeah, I really think that played out really nicely. You, you yourself, and I think like Rodriguez and those kind of guys would have been coming up around a similar time. I might, I might be compressing time, but I have a feeling it was kind of dust till dawn. I think, I, th- I, era. Think, I uh, think that was around about that same time, and then um, you know, twenty eight days later was was yes. short was around the same time as well. Mm. So, you know, because when we, when we finally kind of got released, there was a whole slew of films started to come out. You mm. know, had the Death Watchers and the 20 Days Later and yeah. this and um, My Little Eye and stuff like yeah, that. So yeah, there was a yeah. whole bunch of, a bunch of horror films suddenly started coming out. Yeah. And then that kind of opened the, the you know, opened the gates and you know, finally the British film industry sort of woke up and was like, oh, the and then can be done and they're profitable and they DVD, can be wasn't high it? quality. And, yeah, DVD yeah. for you was market. DVD, yeah. Was the absolute sort of massive thing. market for this film? Absolutely. And how did it feel then? Sort of like, okay, you've you've made your first feature and it's done really well. Mm-hmm. DVD smashed it. How? What happened for you next? And how did you feel? And what well, the, happened? The biggest for you? achievement was we did get a theatrical release. Mm. You know, it was pretty solid for the UK and did the rest of the world as well, except America, where sadly it got sold straight to um, the Sci Fi Channel or something That's like right. that. It, yeah. I think it played a week in LA, and that was about it. Um, it was a bit a bit of a shame, but it did get theatrical, and then it went to DVD and cleaned up there. Um, and you know, so that was a, that was a, a very positive experience, and it was just a case of what to do next. And did you have something ready? Uh, well, I'd had a feature version of my sure. graduation movie ah. of, of Brain Death. Great. Um, I'd written uh, this much more elaborate zombies set on an oil rig mm-hmm. um big film lots of action zombies chaos all that kind of stuff right. and and i was uh i was asked to approach salador films yeah. christian colson at salador films that they wanted to make some movies and they'd like dog soldiers and what did i have next so i went nice. and i pitched them this whole thing and they were like whoa okay because that sounds like a 50 million <laughs> yeah. epic and you're like yeah, no i could do it for less too <laughs> yeah. big for us already oil rigs oh, yeah. Ships, it's expensive yeah <laughs> shipping crew the cameras there is already um <laughs> so had that meeting and you know they were like come back to us with something else something cheaper right and I literally, because I was still living in, living up north at the time, and I got back on the train uh, from London back up to, I think, going back to Carlisle. Um, and by the time I'd got there, I'd come up with a descent. And, you know, the 
caving horror thing. To be to be fair, you were you know you couldn't you know you went oil rig uh, caves. There's not even any light in caves. You went proper you know perfectly in the other direction. You um, was kind of, well, a few people in a in an environment that's like, and at the time I didn't think, oh, we won't be able to you know caves. How are we going to pull that off? It was mm. kind of like. Well, caves, we'll just find a cave and shoot in the cave. Mm, yeah, it'd be easy, right? So, so naive. Uh, <laughs> Safety or issues. Yeah. Um, um, and how did, so was it Was it that an easier, I say easy, uh, I imagine nothing's ever easy in the film world, but obviously Dog Soldiers, was it a case of when you went back to Christian and said, look, this is my idea, did he instantly go, cool? Yeah. Or, or was yeah, there pretty a, much. I mean, really? that, that was, it was like, okay, we love this idea, Let's let's have a script. So then, you know, they paid me for a script, but then Amazing. it was like, well, we can't make it for a year because we've got this other, we're only a little company and we're doing this other production. Mm. And it's like, we need to finish that one before we start yours, mm. but let's develop the script. And so, you know, I was working on the script for like a good year. God, yeah. um, Which probably helped actually. Now looking back, did you absolutely. think it, having it, that it time? Didn't, didn't hurt it because it was just yeah. working on it. got it better and better and better and better. Mm. And you know, and then it came the, the the notion of it being six women mm-hmm. as opposed to just being a mixed group or whatever. Yeah. Were you writing anything else at the time or developing other projects? Or was it just a descent? Oh, God. I, can't I think I was probably writing other stuff at the same time. Because it strikes me you, at that point, you're you're sort of coming off a hit movie. Mm-hmm. And you've got, you know, you've got, got a bit of clout, a little bit of clout, I'd imagine at that point. Not, a little bit of clout. Not enough to, you know, but certainly. So it's yeah. about how did you It's like getting take that, that little, little bit of traction and yeah. just sort of keep rolling. So um, I was writing other stuff i wasn't mm. developing it with anybody else specifically but i was concentrating on the descent yeah um it wasn't called the descent at that point it was called the dark and it's still we- risky because you could have like had that year of writing and then oh no sorry no it's not happening you know it could have yeah things could have gone south and you know mm. so i suppose you want to be were you cautious at any point that your your sort of little hot pocket could have sort of died out i don't know if i've ever felt totally comfortable sure in that sense you never you're never able to fully relax and go oh, i'm all right i'm, I'm fine from which now is a on. good thing sure you know you've yeah. got to you've got to you're always on a little bit edgy mm. of yeah anything could collapse at any moment sure and um and were you scared slightly of doing another horror or was it at the time well partly, it, get a movie? Partly, it partly came out of um there was a review of dog soldiers and i can't remember who wrote it who uh, and they'd said you know this is great. We thoroughly enjoy it. It's all very well, you know, somebody doing a British horror film or whatever, but it's, it's, it's very tongue in cheek. And when's, when's someone going to make a really scary British film again? Right. And it was, and I felt it was like somebody throwing the gauntlet down. Yeah. And I was aware of it. I was like, okay, yeah, Dog Soldiers is tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's scary and gory, but it's also full of comedy as far yes. as I see it. So like, there's a lot of laughs to it. Um, and, uh, so I, I kind of, picked up the gauntlet and thought, right, the, the, the whole point of this film is to write a really, really straight, dark, scary movie. Yeah. And um, so that was the challenge. And so I wasn't, at that point, I wasn't concerned about being seen as a horror director. Um, that came next time around. Right. But, um, but yeah, so, so I thought, okay, this one's got to be scary. That's, that, okay. that, was, that was the goal. Yeah. yeah. And it worked. It really, yeah, really. I remember seeing it at a, at a um, Fright Fest special. And uh, I remember Alan Jones coming over to me and he'd seen, so he'd seen our very first micro-budget comedy horror. It's really comedy, freak out. Mm, but is. Alan was not a fan. But bless him, he did later, he did beca- eventually become a fan of one of our other films. But at that point, he's, he singled me out in the audience, walked over and went, this is how you make a horror movie and walked off. <laughs> and I was like, oh. but then I, I went, that's harsh, that's Alan. Uh, Alan but yeah, to be uh, fair, when, you know, I have been on the other side of the, the more warming side of uh, the praise as well. But, um, you have, yeah. I don't want, I don't want to, he's, he's always 
to the point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you, blunt. The yeah. great thing about it is like he won't yeah, like he will not bullshit you. So mm. but um and part of me wants to go, fuck you, Alan, you know nothing. But then I watched the film and was like, oh damn it, he's absolutely right. <laughs> well, I, yeah, God, this is really good. Shout out Alan. Um it's because of Alan that the that Dog Soldiers is called Dog Soldiers. I got into oh, really? a, I, I, well it was always called Dog Soldiers in the script. Yeah. And I got into a big row with the with the American producer who who said he didn't understand the title and he wanted to call it Night of the Werewolves instead. Right. And uh, I was like, oh my God, that's a terrible title. Mm -hmm. And, 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 I don't know how it happened, but Alan, Alan literally stepped in and said, Night of the Well, this is a shit title. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, it got back to the dog soldiers, thank God. Bless him. Um, yeah, so yeah, we, you know, Descent was, um, I didn't know it was going to hit a nerve. For me, it was, I ran in writing it thinking, okay, maybe two, two people out of 10 suffer from claustrophobia. Mm. Um, and if we, if we, if we hit that mark, then we're, we're all right. Mm. Yeah. As it turns out, it's more like nine out of ten yeah. who suffer from claustrophobia. <laughs> so it's kind of like, oh wow, we really did tap into something yeah. big here. Mm. And you know, we went into and designed it that way. I mean, it was even though it, you know, it was like a year in development or more. And I spent a lot of that time with the DP discussing how we were going to shoot it. And the whole point was to sh to. Because I I did a lot of research on cave movies. Did you find you uh, brought anything from? Uh, dog soldiers to the descent in terms of your style did you kind of go okay i want to not make this mistake again how what changed for you from with that second movie well one of the big things i'd learned on um dog soldiers was because i had six years to prep to prep it basically sure. and and a lot of time to kill and i'd spent a lot of time i'd storyboarded the whole movie i did a shot list for, for the whole movie it was like a bible wow a shot list for the entire movie and I learned on day two or three mm. of working with the cast on that, that that shot list went straight in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, they, they, you know, this whole thing is based around the idea of, I believe that the cast are going to go there, 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 and there. Mm -hmm. And of course they're like, no, no, but I want to come over here and yeah. my character is going to come over there. And, and, and why would I be sitting down when I should be like standing? Up? And, and, you're, and you're like, yeah, I can't really argue with any of that. Mm. Um, okay. Shot list in the bin. So sure. that was a big thing I learned was like, okay, don't get, stuck on things like that it's like I'd, and and now i if i don't shortlist at all i don't right. i i'll do it after we get to set and block it out with the cast and work yeah. it out with the dp and then jot down a quick shot list and you know share that with the with the crew and share that with the ad and so it's like but i don't go in pre you know because I, I want the actors to bring something to it i want them to come in and say mm. let's keep this thing moving and mm. whatever and because if i'm if i'm got a little bit you know tired or or not thinking straight mm -hmm. or whatever one early one morning and i'm like oh yeah, let's just do it this way because it's simpler and they're like no, no no let's keep it going you know yeah. sometimes uh and other times you're you know you're saying let's let's give it some life and they're yeah. like oh i just want to sit down right. like, no <laughs> no you can't because I'm so, um that's really so, interesting. You know, it works both yeah. ways but it's like you've got to have that flexibility yeah and i just find that that works for me anyway that works better and obviously certain shots like visual, visual effects shots or stunt scenes have to be right need to be locked down a yeah. lot more in, in, in advance do but you ever find general that stuff, there can be an issue and you've gone off course and like, oh shoot would I bring it back here because we've got this big VFX sequence that we have to or is it always I, I, I've got a pretty good idea of how to get you know connect the two I you suppose know, that's the editing side yeah. of things yes that's great and uh, Descent premiered at Sundance which must have been really nice 2005 it showed at Sundance it wasn't the, like the world premiere or anything because ah, okay. it had already been out of a year in the UK it was a year gap wasn't it yeah. is that right there was a, well because we we shot it in 
I don't remember the years now because we'd heard that there was another movie called The Cave coming out. Right, uh, right. So which you were like, was it was like oh no, no. like yeah, you know, wait twenty years yeah. for a cave movie, <laughs> yeah, no. two come along at once, yeah. and theirs was like sixty million dollars. It was much mm. bigger budget, much higher profile, and we we're like oh god, you know, we're going to get nailed by this other cave movie. And um, so in the UK, we rushed through production. We we because we knew Cave was coming out in August or something like that. Yeah. So um, we were shooting in January, February. Um, we had it in cinemas in, in July. First, it was whatever, 7th oh, of July. Oh, shit. Um, That's a quick turnaround. Yeah. So um, so we got out there. Pathé, who'd released um, Dog Soldiers, were back on board as distributors, Perfect. and they did an amazing job, mm-hmm. and it got a really wide release. Uh, but we got it out in cinemas really, really, really quickly. Um, it would fortunately... Um, it's, it's just always a difficult thing to talk about, but it is a fact. The timing was we released it on seven seven. Yeah, the day it was seven yeah. seven. It was the day after the or the day before the the the, the bombings in London, mm. um, and of course, you know, infamously, it was uh, the poster was on the side of the bus that blew up. Yeah. With, with the the quote outright terror yeah. on the post, it was just like you 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 know you couldn't make that stuff up. No, you yeah. And you know it was bad enough for everybody involved. I felt really awful for for Shauna whose picture was on the side of the bus. I felt awful for Jamie whose quote it was. Mm. And then you get stupid newspapers like saying how tactless it was to have that on the side of the bus. Oh, like, we, it. Like, we went up and stuck that on. After yeah. it, like what what kind of stupid statement was that? That's stupid. Anyway. Um, so, you know, because uh, uh, it was actually, it was the night after our premiere party and, and a lot of us, a lot of the crew were, were coming home at ridiculous hours in the morning. That was the Fright Fest screening, in fact. The, the, yeah. Um, yeah, and I remember, coming, I think I, I, um, I remember coming, sort of making it home in the next morning. Sort of yeah, like, I think our editor was on the tube in front of the one that blew up kind of thing. Wow. It was like, you know, yeah. a really strange, strange day, yeah. strange thing and, you know, um, Strange set of circumstances for sure. So that I know obviously affected a lot more than that, but ultimately that did affect the release of the film in the UK, or did it affect how the film? Because it, it presumably it just you it know, didn't anywhere else, obviously, but in the UK yeah. it did. It was like especially in London because it was sure. like nobody wants to go and see a film about people being trapped underground mm-hmm. under yeah, those circumstances. Happened. Yeah. Um, so it kind of hurt us that first weekend, but it's it, um, you know. Word of mouth grew. Word of mouth grew, and, and then a year later, almost August was in, in, so, in yeah, states. So then it did. A, it did a whole bunch of other festivals, but then like, uh, um, so we got out before the cave in the US, mm. uh, in the UK, and then the US they said, look, there's no way we're going to get it out in time. So what we should do is like distance ourselves, sure, and let's premiere it at Sundance in January, mm. um, out long after the caves come out, um, and then give it its release there. So yeah. yeah. So that's that's. The and the, the nice, the nice possible way, the cave isn't the strongest of you know, um, uh, you know, well, cave. Yeah. So I think that sort of came and went with a little bit of a whimper. Yeah. I, I mean, know you couldn't comment, but I, having watched both, um, mm. I think even I might see, I saw the descent first, then the cave afterwards off the back yeah. of it, you, and think, oh, I'll check this out too. It's not the, you know, it's completely different. But it, it was, for me, it was mainly the the kind of aesthetic differences between mm. it. It's like we we'd gone out of our way to light descent in such a way to keep it realistic well with of, the, the, the torches right from the yeah, main so yeah. Like, there was no source of light in those caves other than what the characters took with them yeah mm. torches flares fire whatever yeah um we didn't want any pretty caves we didn't want any gratuitous shafts of light coming from nowhere and things like that so um whereas the cave did a lot of that it was yeah. like lots of beautiful sets and beautiful mm. things or whatever but totally not realistic so yeah. Um, I think that was the big difference, and and we we played it small and tight. You know, it was all about small caves and the unpleasant environment. Yeah. Um, 
And, and, and how was it for you to have a, a bigger budget to play with, if you like? Was, it was only marginally bigger. It how was, was it? Okay. You know, Doug Soldiers was two and a half million. I see. And yeah. uh, Descent was three. Right. Oh, so or similar three to you. I'm not sure, yeah. but not, not a huge amount more. No. But both um, really decent budgets, maybe compared to films getting made now. But well, time, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is at the time that was considered to be a very low budget, mm. just because of what you, because it was the only way you could make films at the time. You know, we didn't, you know, you couldn't just edit on your laptop. Yeah. You know, we still had to shoot on 35 mil. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the things that are now a lot, in some respects, a lot cheaper to, to pull off did yeah. not, were not available to us then. So they were fairly low budget. I mean, there were lower budget films being made to be sure. Yeah. Um, but that was still considered a fairly low budget movie. Sure. You could yeah. like that, I reckon, if you had that in touch that, you know, the same cast crew location now. Yeah. But different camera equipment, you know, modern camera equipment. You could slash the budget for um, thirty five mil developing and telecine and Oh sure. Things, you know, that must Yeah. Trouble is, like, well, maybe not so much now, but like I thought, you know, in the past few years, like if if Descender got made later on, it would have you know, they would have said, "Oh, do it as a found footage thing or something like that." Mm. Right? Yeah, it would, be, it would be that. <laughs> yeah, way. but no, you I mean you could do it cheaper now. The, the, well, the one thing that you can't do cheaper is the caves. Mm. It's like we did consider the possibility of shooting in real caves. Quickly realized that someone was going to get hurt, mm-hmm. yeah. um, or lost forever, or something. Um, <laughs> Craig Conway just crawling just, down a little pipe. Was, the lost. caves in the script were too specific, and yeah. trying to find a cave that fit the bill yeah. was just going to be yeah. way problematic. So you so, built it at Pinewood so we, Studios. We built right? them at Pinewood. Yeah, yeah. And, nice. and and again, it was like we we actually only built about eight sets, but used them again and again and again mm. and again because you can't tell; it's all in the dark, and you know nobody shines their light in the same place twice and. So we got away with kind of murder on that one, which is brilliant, and it did really well. Film, um, I mean, in terms of in the states, the especially. Cause I remember it being a big hit that summer. It got fifty odd million. Is that right? You know, uh, well, worldwide it's like fifty. I think in the states it did like thirty odd, but on, like, on whatever budget it was. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was that must good. have felt pretty nice, right? It did. Felt yeah. very nice. <laughs> did it change lots of things for you? Was suddenly doors opening even wider than they? Were? Yeah, I mean that was that was if there was ever a time where I could sort of like be confident that you know. It was in a good place. I yeah. guess that was it. Because um, the reviews were good as well. I mean, it, 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 I was very, very pleased that it scored well with the critics. Yes. Mm. As much as anything um, that people saw the, you know, saw the worth, the value in it, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we, you know, and I think we, we really led the way with like the all female cast and mm-hmm. stuff like that at the time. Yeah. So I, you know, it was, it was, in, I was in a good place and, you know, it was, I was at Sundance, you know, being, I was already doing the deal for the next one at Sundance when we were doing that. So great, um, and the next one being Doomsday. Yeah, and that literally came about because you were at Sundance. You're talking about yeah. it, and did you have the idea already? Was it already? In your I'd mind? been knocking around with the idea, but yeah. um, and then I then I I pitched it um, to the guys at Rogue Pictures, and they were like, mm-hmm. "Right, we want to do this. We're going to bring in Focus, and we're going to bring in that. We're going to you know, and we'll do it." Um, and then we ended up at Sundance and had a meal and kind of essentially kind of locked down the deal then. Amazing. Which was, it must have felt really. Oh, it was, it was awesome time. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's great fun. <laughs> I can imagine. Just like, wow, okay, it's I'm top kind, of the world. It's, it's a semi studio movie almost. Yeah. It's not quite because it was the rogue wing of Focus, which is a wing of Universal. Mm. So it was like a semi studio film. Yeah. Semi studio. Yeah. Yeah. It was when there's a time, wasn't it, in, in the sort of like noughties where they're all opening up sub. Yeah. Sub sort of the, the uh, studios. Wings. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, and there's studios. lots. But that was the, that was the case where you know I, I kind of got a stupid amount of money to make a very stupid film, sure. and uh, you know I don't think 
anybody do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe but, it but it was purely off the back of the descent. It was like, oh, you know, let's just give them some money to make a film. I was like, it's crazy. Ah, oh, whatever. I'm jumping in. I'm sorry. I know he was in the flow. I know you were loving it. But I have to do this. Uh, part two will be out on Friday. So join us again on Friday, where we'll be talking more in depth with Neil about making his indie films, especially Doomsday. We do talk about Game of Thrones. We talk about working with actors. We talk about him exec producing TV as well as directing it. The difference between features and TV. We talk about working with difficult actors. We talk about working with studios, how that can be a problem sometimes. Becoming an exec producer on TV shows uh, like Black Sails, like Timeless, like Lost in Space and working with Michael Bay. And getting nominated for an Emmy. And what can happen at the Emmys? You don't want to miss it. Join us on Friday for part two. Until then, keep working hard. Keep striving forward to make your indie film. Make it happen. Be inspired. And remember, if you're lucky enough to do well, it's your duty to send the elevator back down. Hope you've enjoyed this part one. We will see you Friday for part two. It's perfect because I'm editing it right now and I'm loving it. I'm loving what I'm hearing and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Um, All right, till then, take care. Have a great week and keep making your films. Write your script. Do it. Do it. Hashtag make your film. Big soon, guys. Bye. from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.